0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day, everyone. And welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 19 review. And boy, what a dramatic few days of football we have had. Uh, as usual, we are here. Thank you very much to our podcasting partners, Palmabit, where you get tackle busting benefits all this AFL season. Great supporters of this show. We thank them for their support. Always remember, of course, if you're having a wager, to gamble responsibly, but dramatic weekend off footy. Uh, indeed, four games decided by 12 points or less. My ticker's still recovering, as I say. Uh, very good evening to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shawry?
1: Well, that was interesting. There's no doubt about that. And uh, oh, what a finish in the 320 game. Uh just when we all thought it was over. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But what it does do, Rowan, and um, uh, we'll probably, well, we'll obviously discuss it on Wednesday, is it sets up a remarkable round coming up next week, some of the biggest games of the year and some
0: of the most important. And uh, incredibly tight at the top. Uh, Well, it's still a situation where just two games are separating first place on the ladder from seventh place on the ladder. And uh, beyond that, there are still uh, one, two, three, four, five sides with at least a mathematical chance of filling that eighth spot in the eight. So uh, going right down to the wire, not just for a token spot in the eight, but right through the eight. Uh, Quite an intriguing and fascinating season this is turning out to be. This was certainly one of the uh, keynote uh, rounds of the season. As I said, some breathtaking finishes, high drama, great footy played, great individual performances. We're here to wrap it all up with a comprehensive review of every one of those nine matches in round 19. Let's get into it. On Footyology, wrap around... Round 19 kicked off on Friday evening at Marvel Stadium and it kicked off with the season's first draw. An incredible finish to what, well, let's be honest, was a pretty dismal game skill-wise, certainly a low-scoring game. The two sides, Richmond and Fremantle, locked together. Seven goals, 10.52 apiece. Just one multiple goal kicker in the entire game, and that was Shea Bolton for the Tigers with two. Uh, But, look, we need to go through the incredible last couple of minutes of this game. Uh, Noah Bolter marking about 40 to 45 metres out with a minute 30 left on the clock. Obviously uh, pretty deliberate in his preparation so deliberate that he managed not to hear the umpire give him the hurry up and call play on. Michael Frederick for the Dockers uh, brilliantly ran in from the side and smothered the resultant rust kick, so there was no actual shot at goal. Uh, the clock wound down. A uh, desperate last flurry forward from the Tigers saw Marlon Pickett Kick it to the point of the fifty-meter arc, where Noah Cumberland, who'd uh, shown some real dash and some flair and promise, took a mark on the siren. Unfortunately, unaware just how little time was left, he played on as the siren went, and you could see it dawn on him straight away. You had to feel sorry for him, um, but the season's first draw—the result. I think on the balance of uh, play in that last quarter, Richmond probably should have won, Robert. Uh, I sort of think Richmond will be more upset about not winning that one than Freo in the end. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think you're right. I um, uh, Yeah, low scoring, I
1: thought it was uh, a little bit untidy, as you said, but I think there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of s- at stake, and I don't mind seeing uh, low scoring games if they're really tight. Um Uh, The interesting couple of things was uh, that Richmond went with Soldo. There's been a lot of discussion about Nankervis and the Ruck situation, but they went with Soldo and pushed Nank uh, forward early in the game. Interesting on uh, Cumberland, Rowan, uh, just as a side remark, he's an outstanding kick, isn't he? He can really kick a footy. And uh, you just wonder in the hurly-burly, even though they're two pretty experienced teams, well, Richmond are, how you don't get a message out. You know, do the players know and who you know, do they go to one player? So do you go to and the runner, and say, 92 seconds to go, we've got to have a shot. Uh so it's interesting how they get well,
0: the messages to these players. Obviously, he was very urgent and wanted well, to get on with it. Well, they've got they've got those cards on the side that they're putting up now with all sorts of weird and wacky symbols. That's on a great them. point.
1: That's a great point.
0: Um, but yeah, I would have thought he would have heard the the umpire give him the hurry up. Um, the fact that the the last passage of play should Cumberland have known how little time was left for. The fact that play was out on the far wing probably um, determined that. That whole last minute or so of play where there were a couple of ball-ups and uh, holding the ball played against Bolton in the pocket from when the ball went yeah. back to the wing... It was all a long way away from the bench. So uh, I guess in the end, not enough time to get the message out for that. But when Bolton marked, uh, I wrote it down, I think a minute 31 left on the clock at that stage. So, yeah, look, gee, you, you need to be organised in those situations. Um, uh, yeah, tough one for the Tigers, but they've bottled it. They've left um, three wins on the table the last three weeks. Well, Let's have, face it, yeah. one against Gold Coast. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was and an amazing effort.
0: And this one, and they were pretty, pretty upward because their tackling
1: rate in the first uh, part of the game was absolutely extraordinary. It's quite interesting. They had a highlight package going in their rooms before the game. We saw it on the on the TV for players to look at the one percentage. And they certainly brought that in play. I thought Fremantle, or uh, they were adventurous. I thought they actually overused handball a lot. Ron. They came yeah. through the middle, and they always had one too many handballs. They lost. Um, uh, of course, uh, the, the subs have been quite controversial. Quite a controversial game, right? It's probably for our news on um, on Wednesday, but I'll touch on it now. Immediately, the draw comes up, doesn't it? Immediately, the coaches come up with the draw. Discussions down the draw. Can we just have something in our game that's a little bit different? That's not ruled by policy, police, and, and opinion, and and a media
0: push. A draw is um, yeah. a po- draw. Two points. Okay. Let's go home. Well, I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, like I'm long used to media peanuts uh, bringing this up because they're obsessed with the US and they're obsessed with, you know, anything that will, you know, cause a few people who don't really care about the game to watch for another five seconds Oh Jesus! Don't start me on this one. Um, oh, we won't then. No, we'll save it to. But Wednesday. but now no, hang on, it's important because one of the Damian Hardwick. I didn't see the press conference, but I did read something to the effect that he now wants to see the game decided. No, yeah, he he wanted to go on till we till you get a winner. Yeah, well that's like crap. Two, that's yeah. crap. You know, a season consists of twenty two home and away games. And a win gives you points and a draw gives you points. and They all contribute to an end-of-season ladder position. And if you get zero, you get stuff all and that's what you deserve. Yeah, this sort of like, crap is the yeah, result, of, of people with really short attention spans and also the result of people with very little substance. Certain people in the media just bang on about it every single time and we all know who I'm talking about. Mate, know. we'll get a week of it. Well, we'll yeah, certainly... yeah, no, I said I tweeted after it. Well, there's this week's TV panel shows sorted out. Yeah, the Monday and the Wednesday night panel shows. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let's sum it up in two seconds. Crap
1: idea. Piss off. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Brasher uh, um, um, and Cochin. That was a good match up for me. And and you're right. I think Fremantle really missed a uh, uh, lob because, as you said, they had single goal kickers. I think it's an even spread. It's two points. Um, Tigers are perilously placed, and uh, Fremantle are comfortably in the eight. I like the game of uh, Cumberland. I like Bolton's game, and look, I still think they've got a problem with Bolter, and it's yeah. not a problem; it's a versatility issue where to use him um, you now back, mid, or forward. So, and one one player I want to mention, he's had a. Ter- I actually mentioned him about six weeks ago. Young Hayden Young, young Hayden Young, the yeah. left footer off yeah, the halfback flank, is a good. very, very good player. Now he's settled down, he's overcome injury. All right. Uh,
0: uh, no results. Well, a draw is a result, I guess. They get two points each. OK. Uh, let's have a look at what's on the agenda next week. Massive game for Fremantle on Friday night, 8 10 pm Eastern Standard Time. They are up against Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne with their own issues at the moment too. So that's a huge game for them. The Tigers are clinging, clinging to finals hopes. They have got a massive game. Also on Sunday afternoon, they take on Brisbane at 3.20pm. So huge stakes for both sides. That was Friday night. Let's talk about Saturday. Saturday afternoon saw a game in Hobart. Uh, In fact, the two Tasmanian co tenants, if you like, playing each other at North Melbourne's second home of Hobart, uh, Blundstone Arena, taking on Hawthorne. And it was a very comfortable win to the Hawks in a game essentially determined in the first quarter. The final scores Hawthorne 19 7, 121, defeating the Ruse 11. 9-75. Like I said, the Hawks blew them away in that first term. Eight goals, one to just three behinds. and That was pretty much all she wrote from that point, just a holding mission from that point onwards. The goal kickers, uh, five goals. In fact, 5-4 to Jack Gunston in an emotional return to the game, having missed a couple of games after the sudden death of his father, respected administrator, Ray Gunson, so great to see Jack back out there and performing so well. He kicked five, uh, Reeves two, strong up forward, two to Newcomb, two to Morrison, two to Bruce, two to O'Meara, uh, singles the rest, and for the Roos, three to Zeeble, two to Davies Uniac, and singles the rest. Well, North, um, they'd poured a lot into that second win of a season last week, of course, against Richmond, and uh, a bit of a wet down, I think it's fair to say. In what was a pretty potent first term by the Hawks, so fair play to them, Rob. Yeah, well they were terrific,
1: and uh, we were a little bit worried um, last week commenting on this game because Hawthorne haven't come to that ground, and North on their back of the impetus game from their win, I thought they might have been a dangerous opposition. But was this is back to what we saw uh, during Noble's time. And unfortunately for young Patch Adams, it looks like continuing. So they're on a high. They beat Richmond, but full marks to Hawthorne. Extremely well done in the first quarter. Look, they dominated centre clearances throughout the day, 18 to 9. And i got a feeling that North Melbourne were very lucky. And I'll tell you why. Hawthorne had 28 shots from their 68 inside 50s, right? So they went at 40%. Of shots for their inside 50. They're really inefficient. That may have something to do with the ground and what kept, uh, you know, not knowing the ground and what kept North in the game sort of, but they went at 63%. So a little bit more familiarity down there. No larky. Zerhar was well held. Where were the goals going to come from? They kicked seven belated goals in the last quarter to Hawthorne's 5-2, Five two, so it was a bit of a free for all, a bit of an end of the game, but it was really no contest. And for me, um, while while Dacos will win the Rising Star, we saw the second place player who's having a remarkably consistent
0: season in John Newcomb. He was outstanding in the middle. I thought you've had uh, Bob way on the Rising Star. Actually, you keep uh, alternating between John Newcomb and uh, Sam Dukoni. So, yeah, I am. I'm I'm back. Uh, newcomb has got his nose in front
1: again. How did, right. how, we'll have a look at my notes in a minute. How did Deconing go this week? Port Adelaide. Well, I think Marshall got, got a few on him, didn't he? Two or three. uh Georgiardi's got a few too. So, mate, I have dropped. I drop off him quick. So Newcombs back into second
0: spot. Well, uh, good uh, effort by the Hawks midfield in this game too. They, they do uh, are criticised from time to time. No, Warple, of course, is out for the... Rest of the season, Mitchell's had his share of critics in, in recent times, but I thought this was a good, solid effort from the midfield, led by your boy, Newcomb. Uh Mitchell, good too. Imira in there. Um, getting a bit of drive uh, off half-bat too. Yeah. I thought Hardwick and Scrimshaw, pretty good rebounders for them. Um, we were both pretty bullish about the Hawks. They're up to how many wins now? Six? Oh, they've the... got seven, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's trying to, no, six. Oh, I don't know. No, that might be done last week. I think it's seven. Um, yeah. as they, do you give their season a tick or a cross? Oh, it's a tick at the moment, but
1: what, five to go, Rowan? Where are we? One, two, three, four, no, five, four, four to four, go. Four to go, a month of footy to go. Um, gee, I'd like them to squeeze out another three out of four. I don't know what they can do. I'm not going to ask you to look ahead for the month, but. Uh, at double figures would be a superb effort, but I think they're going to come in with nine for the season. So that was a good win. We we just It was an unknown quantity about their first trip to Hobart to play at the uh, unusual Bellarive Oval, an awkward ground to play on. North are accustomed to it, so for me, it was more a disappointing performance by North uh, as we were hoping they would back up. Davis Uniac continues to work hard. Uh, Hall came in at the last moment for Larky, and he had a good running game, but uh, same blokes doing the
0: same jobs all the time. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Roos, uh, they'll be disappointed with this. Let's have a look at what either side have got on their agenda next week. So for North Melbourne, they are up against Essendon at Marvel Stadium that game on Sunday afternoon. And the Hawks, they have got a date with St Kilda, thirty-five pm Saturday, Twilight at Marvel Stadium. Let's see. I, I, I know you've you mentioned
1: a mate, but I didn't want to go without uh, wishing Jack Gunston all the best. That was a superb interview. Yep and, yep. and not no surprise, of course, the way he's carried himself in his career and as a mark of respect for his dad, five goals, four was a bit of a bonus, but uh, a
0: terrific effort to get out there. Yep, absolutely. Here, here. All right, hear, hear. All right. Uh, that was the first game on Saturday. Let's talk about the next one. Second game in the afternoon time slot on Saturday was at the SCG between the Swans and Adelaide. And the Swans in pretty good nick at the moment, uh, six from their last eight. That one going into this game, top four prospects, uh, which were maintained with in the end a pretty decent win over the Crows. Uh, The final score, Sydney 17-16, 118 to Adelaide 12-13, 85. The goal kickers, three to Buddy Franklin, three to Hayward, two to Heaney, two to Papley, singles the rest. And for Adelaide, three to Walker, two to Berry, singles the rest. Uh, Another game, Robert, a bit of a mirror image of the one played simultaneously in Hobart with the damage being done in the first quarter. Sydney, nine goals, three. They kicked uh, five in the first 15 minutes, and, in fact, that was their best first quarter since round 18 in 1997. After that, again, bit of a holding mission. In fact, they outscored in the last three quarters by the Crows. They kicked 10-10 after quarter time to the Swans, 8-13. Um, but the game well and truly over by that stage. How'd you see this one?
1: Yeah another good performance by uh, Sydney like slight concern uh, traveling Adelaide were never quite sure their worst is not really good but they are capable but blown out of the water once again in the first quarter courtesy of the the efficiency of Sydney, their versatility, their pace and they you know you read the three to Franklin. Three to Haywood, um, Wake Warner. You know, not a quiet day. A quiet day on the scoreboard, but I think he had twenty-five possessions again. They're just a very, very even team. Adelaide went at forty percent efficiency inside their fifty, whereas Sydney. And it shows you the lack of pressure. And while they're able to score effectively, they were at nearly sixty percent efficiency going inside fifty, mate. They they did all right in the centre bounces. Adelaide, they won at seventeen to twelve. Lead continues to have an excellent season, uh, remarkable consistency. But
0: apart from that, as you said, nine three to two three, it was incredible. Uh, a bit of uh, history uh, too, or yeah. well, not history, but uh, Buddy's three goals saw him overtake uh, Gary Ablett Senior on the all-time goal-kicking ladder. Uh, Eighty-six more games. Nothing uh, against that,
1: but. The record will show, yeah, I think uh, I think
0: uh, Ablett had eighty odd less games to do it in. Well, he's up to one thousand and thirty three now. Uh, Fantastic! Shout out to Rory Laird for the Crows. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. he just racks them up, doesn't he? Thirty eight oh, disposals, say, yeah. eleven clearances, six tackles, eight hundred and forty eight metres gained. Uh Probably BOG even in what was a fairly comprehensive loss. In fact, only Clayton Oliver. In the competition, is averaging more disposals per game than we had. Uh, look, we've seen
1: it a few times, Ron. We saw it, you know, the, the Essendon games coming up. Um, uh, these bursts in the first quarter are becoming more and more regular. Um, and and you look at you've got to take your chances because um, in the inside fifties, Sydney had uh, sixty, Adelaide had fifty-eight. So there's there's no difference in the teams going inside fifty. And as you said, the th- the last three quarters, they won those last three quarters, didn't they? It's these teams, I know I don't like the saying, didn't come to play, but it's very hard to put your finger on after all the preparation these teams do during the week, the meetings, the opposition analysis, the planning, that these teams find themselves seven goals down regularly in the first 25 minutes of the first quarter. It's extraordinary, and it's becoming a regular habit—not
0: not of Adelaide, but of, of a lot of teams. Well, Sydney—they've uh, got a bit of, a, of a, a nasty habit of going to sleep at stages. Are we confident and, they can uh, keep the pressure applied in the heat of a final series? Well,
1: we are because we uh, we said it at the start of the year that we both had them in the top four. I'm not changing that. Have you got the ladder in front of you there? Why well, we can do- I don't look. Look, it'll it'll be dependent on Franklin and Reed. They're gonna get a lot of goals from their medium players. I talked about Warner only getting one. So what happens? Haywood bobs up. Heaney will bob up and kick goals. So it's not a heavy reliance on Lance Franklin and it's a very, very hard matchup to, to match mobile players that can also mark above their head and have got good good pace. So it's a really interesting uh forward structure and the dynamics of their forward line. So I think it stands up. And if the McCartan boys can do a great job in finals, I think they'll go
0: really well. All right. Uh still sitting sixth on the way to the Swans. And uh well is there close. a gap
1: there, Ron? What's the gap, mate? Sorry.
0: Uh no, there well, there isn't a gap. They're level on points with Carlton who are seventh. Uh they're two points behind Frio who are fifth okay. and a okay. game behind uh, the Polos second, third, and fourth on the ladder, which is Melbourne, Brisbane, and Collingwood. Excellent. Uh, let's have a look at the fixture for both these sides next week. Sydney have got a derby, or uh, what do they call it? Battle of the Bridge, or well, I can't remember what they call it those days. they local derby against GWS. That one is at 2.10pm at the SCG. And the Crows, um, they take on Carlton on Saturday evening at Adelaide Oval, that one at 7.30pm. All right, let's talk about Saturday twilight. (laughs) Big stakes in Adelaide, twilight Saturday, Port Adelaide, uh, still desperately clinging to a finals chance. Geelong doing it really well on top of the ladder. And uh, a narrow win to the Cats in a real high-quality contest. This one, Geelong, by 12 points in the finish. 16 goals, 10, 106. Defeating Port, 14, 10, 94. The goals for the victors, 4 to Hawkins, 3 to Cameron, 2 to Rowan, 2 to Stengel, singles the rest. for Port, 3 to Georgiades, 2 to Pal Pepper, 2 to Marshall, 2 to Dixon. Singles The rest. Well, uh, Geelong's ninth win in a row led this game by 34 points at halftime, but found themselves seven points down by three quarter time after Port Adelaide turned on a fearsome third term, kicking eight goals, two to just one three. Got a real wriggle on the fuse lit by a couple of guys. Charlie Dixon. Oh, gee becoming a big target up forward in that third term. He had 11 disposals in the third quarter and kicked two goals. Jeremy Finlayson out of the middle in the ruck with four centre-bounce clearances. They provided the spark. Port responded. And uh, neck and neck for much of the last quarter. Goals by the Cats to uh, first Jeremy Cameron, then Tyson Stengel gave the Cats the edge. Carl Amon leveled the scores for the Port. But that man... Tom Hawkins, what a champion he is in the last five minutes. Won the day with two big goals, uh, pressure shots, uh, clutch shots, and he nailed both of them. Um, The Cats uh, regaining the edge in the centre bounces in that last quarter. 4-1 they won. Also contested ball, seven more contested possessions in the last term. Quality game, tough game. Uh, But the Cats, ruthlessly efficient, getting it done when it counted. Uh, That man, Tom Hawkins. And I had what has become a perennially boring debate with people about Tom Hawkins' place in the pantheon of modern-day greats uh, because I reckon he's an absolute superstar. Rob, you're talking about a guy that averages 2.2 goals per game with 714 now, I think, across 300 and 20-odd games, phenomenal performance again from him when it mattered. Well, uh, uh, the last few words, when it matters.
1: He's been a marvel in those sort of big occasion moments and we can go back to those great Geelong versus Hawthorne games where he did it after the siren. I want to touch on a couple of things to go over again. Uh, the Charlie Dixon revelation and Finlayson has been quite an interesting, I don't know whether they came on it by good luck or good fortune or planning, but the Dixon, Finlayson, Ford on the ball, as you said, Charlie Dixon changed that game. A little bit of ruck work, Finlayson in the ruck, then Dixon forward, 11 disposals, seven contested, two goals. What a quarter. But um, Port have a habit of doing this. If we think back, how many times – well, we haven't got it in front of us, Ryan, but numerous times they have been on the verge of embarrassment and outplayed, and they seem to need that to give them a rev or Kenny gives them a rev. And they've certainly had opportunities throughout the year to really mount great fight backs. Uh, it set up a great last quarter, but Geelong, they're just too good. They're a good side, 4-4 in the last quarter. Um, I want to mention uh, that goal-kicking combination again, Cameron Hawkins. They've got Rowan back, and uh, they've used him in the back line when they've been a little bit down, and Stengel who continues to have a terrific year. And, Rowan, this is the fourth game without Tom Stewart. And they've been able to uh, – so he's back in next week. So we'll have to watch selection very carefully because whoever's played in his role, the the, uh, uh, the um Buse has been back in there.
0: So someone's going to have to make way for the great player. Uh, the other thing they were able to do was uh, withstand the loss of Reece Stanley, who was subbed out early in the third quarter with a, a knee injury, but it, that certainly had a big impact on proceedings. Uh, Port uh, dominated the centre clearances 7-1 in that third quarter yeah. after Stanley went off and uh, mentioned Layson's role in that. Um, Stanley had had eight clearances before he went off, so he'd been pretty significant. Uh, Ruck is the one area where you continue to think Geelong has its issues, not if Stanley stays fit and plays the way he was playing, but uh, they do get thrown a bit if he's either not playing well or isn't available. They have a reasonable backup in Blixarves, don't forget,
1: but that's not now the preferred role for him. It was at one stage last year and the year before they wanted to do the mobile running six-foot-five Ruckman, but I think they've settled... Uh, it's always been a discussion. I think they've settled on Stanley with
0: Blitzards doing a multitude of roles, from tagging to wing and to backline. So uh, that's just about good night nurse support, isn't it? They're now two games and a little bit of percentage outside the eight. Four games left. You don't come back from there. Do you agree? Well, you're, you're playing catch up all year. The zero five, despite
1: some brave performances, very much improved form. Some great comebacks and some great wins. You go zero five. It's going to be tough, Ryan, because the old catch up very, very rarely works. So I think we can put a line down there to Port Port
0: Adelaide not making it, leaving St Kilda and Richmond just outside the eight. All right. Uh, what have Port got next week? Well, pretty tough for them uh, anyway. They've got Collingwood at the MCG one forty-five PM. Saturday afternoon. And the Cats, they've got a big game as well. Just some massive games coming up in round 20. Geelong have got a date with the Western Bulldogs. That one Saturday evening at GMHBA Stadium, 7.25pm. All right, uh, that's next Saturday night. Let's talk about what happened on this Saturday night. Saturday evening saw another Q clash, and this was a rip up with the best of them before a powerful last quarter by Brisbane. Delivered the Lions victory by 17 points in the end. The final scores Brisbane 16 14, 110, defeating Gold Coast 14 9, 93. The goal kickers for the victors, three to Cameron. 3 to Danaher, 2 to Matheson, 2 to McCarthy, singles the rest. As usual, good spread of goal kickers to Brisbane, 10 individually and 4 Gold Coast, 4 to Casbolt, 2 to Chole, 2 to Ellis, 2 to debutante Elijah Hollands and singles the rest. Neck and neck much of the evening this, uh, 4 goals to 3, quarter time. Uh, the Gold Coast marginally in front at the long break, still leading at three-quarter time. Uh, but like I said, the last quarter, really the only term where one side got right on top, and that was Brisbane with 5-3 to just 1-3 by Gold Coast. 17 points, the difference. Quality game, this. Um, Gold Coast, well, they're like Port Adelaide, probably just about shot as far as finals go, but uh, you looked at this and you thought, well, they haven't just thrown in the towel after a pretty insipid performance last week against Essendon. They really bit back and showed something. They were good. Well, they went back to what
1: they've uh, been noted for, a very strong contested ball game, good in the clearances, um, tackling was good, uh, a really competitive game. A bit of class at the end, Rowan, McCluggage, Neil these sort of players, and you've highlighted again, which uh, we we must stress con- continuously because it's so important. You have to rely. I, I just get the feeling, like, look, I know there's some favourites for the premiership and Geelong are out there in Melbourne. We saw uh, Fritch for Melbourne kick four goals. You've just got to be multi-pronged to have any chance at all. And uh, Brisbane, a very good spread of goal kickers. And a couple of interesting moves that... Uh, Fagan continues to make. Took Miller was out of control. So he did what he did against Merritt, against Essendon some time ago, and that was use Berry to close down Miller again. So that's his go-to man. And of course, I see value in Matheson. And I remind you of what Chris Fagan said when he when he was quite confused with his own selection. I don't know why I don't play him. He's just added a, a fringe. I wasn't going to say lunatic fringe. But it's a, a, a term of endearment, Rowan. He he brings an edge. He, he plays on the edge. He plays aggressively. And he's also kicked a couple of goals. So I think they've found a very important component of toughness and aggression going into the finals.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if it's just toughness and aggression. It's sort of the spirit, isn't it? It's that passion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know we see fewer players these days playing with that sort of unbridled passion, and I think it really does lift his teammates. You know, I mean, it's true, isn't it? You don't see many players in AFL footy now really necessarily wear their heart on their sleeve like that, even throughout the course of a game. And maybe that's a reason. Maybe he, he
1: does lose emotional control, but there is a reason that we can't see now why he didn't get games. Was it depth? Was it up until now Mitch Robinson's form? Can you carry those two in the one side? Now, Mitch has been out of form this year and has found his way out of the side on a number of occasions, allowing this this man to get a game. So um, I, I think it's important for them uh, and um, something to be persevered with. We also saw uh, one of the unheralded players, uh, that's twice in a row someone's got, Isaac Rankin, uh, Kelly did a very good job for Essendon against him and the, the very, very impressive Stasevich has uh, done him again this week and he got a goal towards the end of the game.
0: Yeah, he's a good player, Brandon Stasevich. He um, is, Rowan. Yeah. The uh, midfield battle, Hugh McLuggage, very good, 25 disposals. Yeah. Lockie Neal, 32. Uh, Tuke Miller, 34 disposals, 7 tackles, 10 score involvements, he ended up uh, officially best on ground. Uh, that is, he won the Marcus Ashcroft medal. That's the third time he's won it as best of field. Um, Fagan did swing Jared Berry onto him in the last Ooh. quarter, though, and that did quieten him down a bit, which proved uh, pretty crucial in delivering the points. Uh, Noah Anderson, Brandon Ellis, uh, pretty good foils for Miller. Levi Casbolt playing the lead role in that Suns uh, duo of he and Mabior uh, but six between them still, Casbolt four and Chol two. So plenty of pluses for them. Uh, where do we reckon Brisbane are at? How close to their best was that, do you think, or have they still got a fair way to go? Well, I think they've got to use the likes of Berry a little
1: bit more. They've got to use um, – they've been – um I was going to say non competitive that 's not a very good description they haven 't been strong and physical enough, you know they 've been beaten in that area a number of times, so i'd like to see them use a run with player. I'd like to see them be a little bit hard around the contest um in um contested footy. they 've been beaten in that area um not regularly, but they 've been beaten in that area. I just like the balance that Barry brings. As a run with player, and Matheson brings as the uh, brings his set of skills to this team. It just gives them an edge. We know they've got talent, Ron, but talent hasn't taken them past two sets of finals, has it? So they've got to bring something extra, and that that's mental toughness and physical toughness. And I think they might have the balance right
0: with Barry and Matheson. All right, let's have a look at what's on the agenda for both these sides next week. Sunday, Gold Coast uh, are at home, 1.10 p.m. up against West Coast. And Brisbane have got a massive game uh, down here in Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. They take on Richmond at 3.20 p.m. Uh, big game for them to hold their top four spot. All right, Uh, there was another massive game on Saturday evening. Uh, This one further south. Let's have a chat about it. Huge game at Marvel Stadium. Another grand final rematch. We've already had one this year, of course, in round one. That was won by Melbourne. Um, Melbourne uh, have had their issues of late, not as many issues as the Western Bulldogs, though. For them, this was a must win to keep their finals hopes alive, and that they did in style with a big finish, big last quarter, in which they kick five goals to the Demons' one to get up by 10 points. Thrilling finish and a really good game too. Great to watch. Final scores, Western Bulldogs, 17-8, 110, defeating Melbourne, 15-10, 100. The goal kickers, your boy, Inzanam, uh, Jamara, (laughs) Ugal Hagen, five goals. Stop it. Okay. Five goals to Eugle two to Waitman, two to English, two to Norton, two to Garcia, and for the Demons, four to Fritch, three to Wiedemann, two to Melksham, two to Pickett. Neck and neck, uh, Melbourne at stages looking like they were ready to perhaps go away with it. Um, But the dogs just kept hanging in there. And, uh, look, one man stood tallest, and uh, hopefully this could be Coming of age to Jamara eugle Hagen, the uh, exclamation point on his five-goal haul, that last goal kicked right on the siren to um, uh, make sure the Bulldogs were going to win. Uh, interesting last quarter, a couple of um, critical blues by the Demons. One, uh, Steve, the normally reliable Stephen May going for a little chip, which was intercepted by... Marcus Bontempelli and ended in a goal to Jack McCrae. And that left the Demons just two points up with about seven minutes left. And from there, Riley Garcia gave him the lead with four minutes left. And then, as I said, Hugo Hagen right on the siren ceiling. What was probably their arguably uh, the Bulldogs' best victory of the season, Robert? Oh, and and it it changed a trend. You you summed it up where you
1: said Melbourne were coming and um it looked again but they were steadier they were organized they were a bit they were more resilient they they gritted their teeth an old cliché but they fought it out it was such an extraordinary game a month ago we were talking on one of uh, either wednesday or tonight about uh, bonton i know he's had a shoulder early on in the year and whether that uh created issues for him but he's back to his best he's been terrific Around the packs, his urgency's back, his competitiveness. He was a great player for them going up against the likes of Petrarca and Oliver and teaming up with Liberatore. Like Oliver's had 13 clearances, Bontempelli 10, Petrarca 7, and Libertori 6. So it was a great contest around the ball, but it's just great to see Bontempelli back in form, uh, particularly at, at stoppages. English, I thought, was great with two goals, but he only had 19 hit-outs. Gorn dominated the hit-outs, which technically should give the likes of Oliver and Prataka first use. I just thought they were great around the footy. Um, McRae started very, very slowly. He couldn't get into the game, but then finished very well. Great for Jamara to do what he did, Rowan. He was superb. It, It could be, you know, the the, the light-on moment, the turning point for this young man. And at the other end, I found it very interesting because I thought it was going to be costly at one stage. Uh, Bailey Fritch was on Baku Karmis yep. and took him really deep and kicked four goals on him. And for a moment there, I just thought uh, Bevo, uh, Luke Beveridge, probably a little bit too long because he's not an experienced backman the week we saw him play went back there, he's, he was up the ground further. So whether the Demons worked him out and dragged him back to the goal square, which it looked like, and made Fridge play to the goal square, it was pretty telling and he looked like cutting the game open there at one stage. So I'm with you. There's another discussion to we had. I like this player. I want to see how he goes either at another club or at um, given priority at Melbourne. Wiedemann doesn't miss many goals. He's a beautiful kick, looks a smart player to me, and I think the discussion should have him in front of Brown for the full forward position.
0: Well, yeah, Brown's certainly been struggling of late. I think when they were at their best, obviously, in that run towards the finals and the finals last year, Brown was playing a lot better footy than he is now. Um I guess, yeah, well, possession's nine-tenths of a law, isn't it? Brown being injured opens the door. It'll be interesting to see what happens now. It's very interesting, uh, particularly also if Tom McDonald, it's looking unlikely, but uh, there is speculation that he could actually be available late in the season, whether that influences what they do selection-wise as well. Uh, Just quickly, the Rucks, Tim English, Uh, Pretty good around the ground up against Gorn and Jackson. Um, He only had 19 hit-outs but did have 20 disposals and kicked a couple of goals. Uh, Gorn ended up with 40 hit-outs and 25 disposals. But I I would have thought English sort of held his own against the pair of them.
1: Oh, no doubt about that. And, um, well, uh, you've you've got Jackson, you've got Gorn, you've got English and... um, you know, Melbourne on paper have the perfect matchup because they generally go for Jackson because they like gone forward. Gorn hasn't kicked the goals that he did last year. He looked to be a really potent force going forward and they didn't really concern themselves at stages, whether it was Jackson or Gorn. Um, English back into that uh, Western Bulldogs side, Brown has made a significant difference. He's a very good player. His groundwork and his goal-kicking and his clearance work for a bloke his size is excellent.
0: All right, Uh, well, where where does that leave the Doggies? Well, it leaves them uh, inside the eight, two points ahead of Richmond. Of course, the Tigers having had that draw. um, uh, Sorry, they're level on points with the Saints, of course. Uh, St Kilda having won this week as well. Eight percent ahead of the Saints. So, as I said uh, about that selection, possession is... Nine-tenths of a war, so there's to lose. Still got some tough games to negotiate on the way home. uh, Let's talk about that next week. They have got, well, they don't come much tougher, really, Geelong at GMHBA Stadium, that one on Saturday evening. So another massive test for the Western Bulldogs and a massive test for Melbourne too. They've got to go to Optus Stadium in Perth, and take on Fremantle. That one Friday evening, 8 10 pm. Oh, so it just
1: gets better and better.
0: It does. So There's it's a, a month to go, mate. Yep, yep. A huge round of footy coming up. That was Saturday evening. Let's talk about Sunday. Sunday afternoon kicked off at Marvel Stadium with Carlton taking on Greater Western Sydney. And in the end, a comfortable 36 point win to the Blues. The final scores Carlton 13 11 90, defeating GWS 8 6 54. The goal kickers four to Kurnow, two to Cottrell, two to Mackay, and singles the rest. For the Giants, three to Toby Green, two to Cornelio, and singles the rest. Well, you look at the scoreboard, Rob, and you say, yeah, uh, well, pretty much what you'd expect. But GWS actually played some pretty decent footy and weren't without a chance uh, to wit in the second quarter. They recorded 19 inside 50s to just eight by the Blues. The third quarter, they crept ever closer. In fact, Toby Green, a key moment in this game, Toby Green had a shot to put GWS in front fairly late in the third quarter. Uh, for some reason, went to kick around the corner instead of uh, just shaping up straight in front of goal. Total miskick, hit the belly of the footy and uh, missed by miles. And then, of course, as happens sometimes, uh, turnaround. The ball went up the other end and Charlie Curnow replied for the Blues. Harry Mackay had a one not long after. And then another pivotal moment, uh, Callum Brown for the Giants. Uh, easy chess mark in his defensive goal square. dropped the ball, and Josh Honey opportunistically uh, pounced on that and kicked another goal off the ground. And all of a sudden, the Blues were the best part of four goals up again. And uh, GWS seemed to lose a bit of heart after that. It was four four to one three in the last quarter. Sam Walsh um, copped a, what looked to be a pretty nasty ankle injury at one stage, but recovered pretty well. Ended up with thirty one. Disposals, Patrick Cripps, 34 disposals. Uh, Kernow and Mackay, six between them. And Jacob Wedering and Mitch McGovern, uh, pretty good in defence. For the Giants, Stephen Cornelio, pretty good for the Giants, 21 disposals, kicked a couple. Tim Taranto, busy with 30. Harry Himmelberg, uh, another good game from him in defence, where his judgment and interceptability is proving. Valuable 25 disposals with him. Toby Green with 3 2 from his 15 disposals. How'd you see this one? Well, I, we got to see what GWS uh, not made me excited,
1: but made tempting me to select them uh, a, a lot better and more competitive performance on the back of uh, uh, some some pretty strong comments from their coach, Mark McVeigh. But I was really impressed with Carlton. And I'll tell you what. I know they hung around and they stayed there, but there's some signs there that Carlton could have won by more. The ground balls, which are the loose balls. Carlton won them 102 to 63. They were busier at ground level. They won the contested possession 91 to 65. So inside the contest and outside the contest, Carlton were very good, and I thought they should have won by more. Um, they Carlton actually lost the clearances, but the ones they did win, they kicked 51 points for them, whereas GWS only got 14 points from then at 42% efficiency. So, Carlton were far more efficient, uh, far more cleaner and had more poise and and a lot more class. It's interesting they've uh, had another, another look at Will Setterfield. He had a good game with 24 possessions. He had eight marks. They're still looking to add um, more depth to that midfield, even though that's been a really good area for them this year. So to give Will Satterfield a game and have a look at him was a good move for them, and they got a game in Mitch McGovern. I just fingers crossed for them that he plays out the season, plays in the finals, because um, they've been fantastic down the back. They've had the majority of the year without McGovern, the majority of the year without um, uh, Wheatering. And at the other end of the ground, of course, Kerno and Mackay. Mackay, Curno's, you know... Um, doing really well. He's, he's, he's winning that individual battle at Carlton between Kurnah and Mackay. Mackay kicked uh, two goals, three. But again, six goals, four between them. Another potent two-pronged attack inside the forward line. These things will stand up in the finals, Ron.
0: What about GWS? Uh, obviously played a bit better brand today. Um, prepared to take plenty of risk, but... Sometimes just some silly decision-making. Um, yeah, they played some some dumb footy today when a, a little more conservatism might have uh, seen them push the Blues a bit longer. Do you reckon they went back to that conservative slow ball movement? No, no, no. I'm saying had they been a bit more conservative in uh, oh, situations. Had, had they? Yes. Um,
1: well, they've certainly up-tempoed the game and there is a strong case to argue that, okay, the balance of the game, but... Uh, McVeigh's really tried since he's come in to to move away from that tempo slow up the line. I reckon it's cost them, Rowan. I reckon it's left the door open, and that's a real challenge for a young coach and his coaching group to try and balance it out between when is the right time to go full throttle and when is the
0: time to ease up on it. And uh, the Blues, well, seventh place, uh, two games inside the eight, so they're obviously going to be playing finals for the first time since... 2013, do we uh, do we think they can do any damage in the finals? Uh, in the first week of the finals, yes. I would expect that they can get through the first week of the finals.
1: There's no doubt about it. And that's, that's really uh, a competitive position, particularly fifth to eighth, uh, the elimination final. But once you get into that second week and get that finals win under your belt, it'll be interesting to see... Oh, well, if they do finish in that 5-8, it'll be de- interesting to see who get they get back from the qualifying finals. Um, I, I definitely think they can win a final and go forward, Rowan, into the second week of the finals. After that, I want to see where they play, who
0: they play, injuries, what sort of form they're in. All right, well, I can tell you who they play next week because uh, they are playing Adelaide, and that one is at Adelaide Oval. On Saturday evening, 7.30pm, GWS have a uh, Sydney derby or Battle of the Bridge or, yep, whatever they call it now, against Sydney. That one is Saturday afternoon at 2.10pm. Let's see what happens. Can I just say,
1: just just a quick one, mate. Uh, Interesting with Carlton, GWS, awkward game. Awkward, I call it. Yeah. But they got the job done. Next week, what did you say? They've got... Adelaide, Adelaide in Adelaide. Yeah, They've got to play well to win that game, don't they? Yeah. So they're, they're, they're little challenges. They're not playing uh, blue ribbon teams, but they're interesting challenges for them that if they get through them, I reckon they'll
0: hold them in really good stead. All right. Uh, let's move to second game on the Sunday schedule. Well, we, boy, we have had some thrillers this year and this one right up with the most dramatic, another game determined after the siren and it was won by Collingwood against Essendon in front of a crowd of 72,402 at the MCG, one of the season's biggest crowds. And they saw an absolute thriller and a roller coaster of a game in which Collingwood kicked the first six goals, Essendon kicked the next five goals, Essendon itself got 20 points up early in the last quarter, but then missed a number of chances to uh, finish the deal. The Pies, as they've done a number of times, saw a chance and they seized it with both hands. And then the game, finishing in the most dramatic circumstances possible. Uh, Harry Jones winning a free kick, holding the ball on Jeremy Howe and from about, uh, what, 35 metres out, had the chance to give Essendon an impregnable seven-point lead with under a minute left on the clock. He hit the post. There were 45 seconds left when the kick-out was taken. Somehow, well, inexplicably, Essendon failed to man up enough to defend the kick-out. The ball went end-to-end and Jamie Elliott, kicked one of the best post-siren shots for goal you'll ever see. In fact, I think given the angle, the distance uh, right up there, um, probably, you know, deserving to be close to runner-up to Malcolm Blight, the famous Malcolm Blight uh, post-match goal, and giving the Pies a four-point win to scenes of delirium among Collingwood supporters. They're recording close ones now. It is absolutely amazing. That is the ninth game this season, they have been involved in decided by 11 points or less, and they have won eight of them. Incredible. Uh, hats off to them, Rob, but, uh, look, I'm not going to – everyone knows where our allegiances lay. I am filthy that Essendon allowed that to happen from that final kick in.
1: Well, yeah, but can I just make a general point? Everyone's going to look at, uh, I think, Durham missed. Um, yeah, kicked the goal. Uh, Joneses was dead in front, hit the post. What Essendon did in that last phase, which was fine, they put um, Langford, a good reader of the play, behind the ball. But what that it did, run, it gave Collingwood a free player at the kick-out. Now, when you've got 45 seconds or 30 seconds, whatever the, the kick for goal is, you should have enough time, a coaching issue, to set up a wall, set up a zone, set up a press, call it whatever you like, knowing that that there's what? What did you say? 45 seconds to go in the game. So yep. Collingwood had to go coast to coast, through a wall, through a press, through whatever, and they managed to do it. They had the loose man, it was Bianco on the wing, found an extraordinary amount of space. But and Langford, whose job was to be in the backup, couldn't impact. So Elliot takes a mark between Kelly and between Langford, which allowed him to kick. And not one of them impacted the body or took a body so they were disappointing but having said that Ron, there would be a hundred instances through the game selling's turnover handball you don't handball it to the best ball user and the best vision player in the game in the middle of the ground which started the momentum you can go back through the game I'm just saying everyone will pick on or look at three uh, contentious or critical errors but these are going on throughout the game all the time I, I just think they, were they, ready. they. Hang on,
0: they are. I'm, I'm going to take issue with this. They, yeah, they are, and I get that point. But the fact is, you've got a guy kicking for goal with a minute left on the clock. You've got yeah. to be smart enough to work out that if he misses, oh,
1: that I agree with that. Now, hang on, let me let about, finish. You're talking about a different thing. We're both talking about the same thing the set up where someone's having a shot for goal.
0: So, yeah, I know, I know that there's a whole lot of things that happen during the game, and that's just another one of them. But this one sort of is more important because there's never going to be another moment in a game more representative of needing to do the right thing, which is setting up your defensive zone for an opposition kick in. If you're not going to do it with the entire game on the line, and a minute left on the clock. When are you going to do it? I mean, that is, it's one of the, it's close to the dumbest bit of football I think I've ever seen. Did they do it
1: at the eleven-minute mark of the first quarter when Collingwood went ghost to coast after they missed?
0: No. What's you know, the difference then? Be, well, the difference that's is a goal. That's a the, goal. Yeah. The difference is this is exactly my point. The difference is well, that you know that. definitively that oh, if you right. get it right in this last minute, you win the game. Okay, I see. It's just so dumb. Like, well, it anyway, really is dumb. Anyway, um, the game st-
1: The game started with Corwell going to Pendlebury, which is good. he um, didn't get up, so Pendlebury started in the centre bounce. Merritt pushed forward. He was picked up by Dacos, but because him and Stringer had that changeover, I think Dacos found himself really free, and he was significant early. They closed him down later with Hobbs. And with Guelfi, so that was a good effort to get back into the game. But what an extraordinary game. Um I think Essendon at one stage had kicked, oh, I've got some notes down here. I kept 11 out of 13. Yeah. I kicked 11 out of 13 goals when Guelfi, now that was a great kick for goal. That was a good kick for goal. By who? And, and he, uh, Matt Guelfi, who yeah. played a terrific game again. Um, and that led Essendon to have eleven out of thirteen, you and I spoke about this when we went on, we weren't even on air. They were putting their hand up, and you can elaborate on this because they've had so many close games. I reckon calling it one sage looked as though they said our runs come to an end. Mm. They lack pressure. They they weren't closing down Essendon's possession
0: games, were they? Well, the they, the spark yeah. was obviously gone, and had yeah. um, Durham. Nailed the chance he missed, and then I think St- well Stringer missed a, Stringer, yep, a bad one. Um, either of them go through, that is the game. But you know, you you leave the door open, and you give them a sniff, and then I must say I'm pretty pessimistic about the way these things happen. But just seen it happen with Essendon too many times. Yeah, I, you're
1: right. You're right. They give the ball to they give the ball to Pendlebury. He finds a target. Um, it was uh, Ash Johnson. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Josh Carmichael, the sub, who's come on and kicked two goals. He slotted a very nice goal. Well, he kicked two in the last quarter. So that's a great effort. Ash Johnson's kicked three for the game. A month ago, gee, who were these players? They made a really important impact for Collingwood. And then what happens, Rowan? They think uh, you could just see it evolving in front of you. Collingwood think, oh, hang on, we mightn't be gone anyway. Mm. The turnover comes, they get a goal, they get around each other and...
0: Well, you know, extraordinary. And the the consequences of the win are massive too. That has uh, put them in the top four. What an incredible season they are having. That is nine wins in a row for the Pies. And that one has seen them go to top four at the expense of Fremantle. Can Can I ask you
1: something that you asked me? You asked me about
0: Carlton. I'll ask you about Collingwood. A top four team, Rowan? I don't think so. And, And where can they go? Well, I shouldn't say a top four team. I mean, their record against the top sides has been pretty good. They narrowly lost to two of the three teams above them and beat the yeah. other one. So uh, oh. I, I don't know. I just sort of think the law of averages says they've probably used up all their luck. But um, Well, that's why we picked Derson. I think we both picked Derson. No, i tipped Collingwood. i tipped oh, Collingwood. Yeah. Righto. Well, it's yeah. the
1: only reason I picked Derson because yeah. I just thought, well, sooner or later,
0: away you go. All right, well, uh, let's talk about what these two sides have in front of them next week. Essendon have a home game against North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. That is the last game of round 20, 40 pm Sunday afternoon. And the Pies have got Port Adelaide uh, on the agenda at the MCG Saturday afternoon, 1.45pm. All right, one game left in the round, and uh, not for the first time, it was in Perth. St Kilda needing to keep winning to keep their finals chances alive. They took on West Coast in Perth at Optus Stadium and in the end, a decent win to the Saints, a strong last quarter by them, four goals to one, gave them in the finish a 28-point victory. The final score, St Kilda 14 690 defeating West Coast 10-62. The goal kickers for the victors, five goals to Dan Butler, great game from him. Two to Higgins, his small forward uh, companion. Two to King, two to Membry, singles the rest for the Eagles. Two to Darling, two to Kennedy, two to Rotham. Well, uh, been like a few games this season or of late, the Eagles, a lot more competitive. Uh, but just outgunned in the finish by a stronger finishing opponent with a lot more to play for. How would you say this one, Robert? Well, exactly right. I uh, I
1: gave the Saints a tick, I must admit. Um, it, it wasn't super impressive. They dominated territory early. Uh, they were well on top. Um, the, but the thing they'd be delighted about, uh, and I haven't got it in front of me, but it, I don't reckon Dan Butler's had a great year, Ryan. And, and also Jack Higgins has been in and out of the side. I reckon Jack Higgins might have been omitted, or he's definitely been omitted twice, and it could be three times for inconsistent performances, inconsistent team performance. To get seven goals out of them uh, in the run home to the finals and get those confident small players up in form would make the trip worthwhile. There's no doubt about that. The other player that's, um, that they'll talk about Jack Steele's 40%, 40-possession um, game, which was fantastic. They had the four main possession winners on the ground, Steele, Crouch, um, Ross, and, of course, Sinclair off half-back. But, gee, Brad Crouch played a good game. 31 possessions, one goal, five marks, and he had 11 tackles. So, really, possession-wise
0: and territory-wise, they controlled the game. 11 clearances for Jack Steele, too. He yeah. really, really is a barometer for them. But... I think you'd look at it, wouldn't you, and think probably the big difference to the Saints today is a functioning forward line. And I agree, Higgins uh, and Butler haven't had great seasons. but And uh, that's really cost them because it's meant that, uh, well, if King or Membry or Ryder or whoever don't take marks and kick goals, uh, there's no-one converting any of the crumbs that come to ground. So there's been really no sort of synergy between the big key forwards and the small forwards. And Winston Kilda were at their best a couple of years ago in 2020. That was happening. So Brett Ratton um, would be pretty pleased with that conjuring, uh, what, 11 goals between two key forwards and his yeah. two preeminent uh, small forwards. Look, for the Eagles, um, Barass, uh he's played some terrific football of late and he was probably their best again today. Uh, Jai Cowie, a couple of games under his belt now and uh, a bit of uh, promise there for the future for the Eagles and they've really whacked that. I think guys coming into that side have really stood up and said, look, I'm going to be a key member of this side. Perhaps they've found one here, hit their mid-season draft pickup, up uh, Jack Redden, pretty decent for them. Um, bit of the same old, same old though for them in terms of goal kickers, Darling 2, Kennedy 2, Rotham. Uh, generally a defender uh, kicking two goals in this one as well. But as has been the case with the Eagles for quite a while now, they'll just be pretty keen to uh, see this season done and dusted, I think.
1: Yeah, just a quick one, mate. If if you looked at just inside 50s, 52 to 47 uh, favoured the Saints. Not a big difference. And you thought, oh, well, the Eagles have shared the territory. They only had 13 shots. They've got Kennedy and Darling up there with two goals. They've only had 13 shots from 47 inside 50s at an efficiency of 28%. That's deplorable. Uh, it wasn't a great uh, functioning ball movement uh, for the
0: for the West Coast Eagles, considering they did have the two big blokes up there. All right. Uh, well, uh, like I said, West Coast uh be very... Keen for the season to end. Uh, They are second last on the ladder, uh, just ahead of North, only on percentage. So uh, pretty keen to jag one or two more wins and avoid the dread and wooden spoon, of which they have won only one previously in their entire existence. Uh, What have they got next week? Well, they've got a tough one. They've got a road trip to the Gold Coast to take on the Suns at Metricon Stadium. That game is Sunday afternoon, 1.10pm Eastern Standard Time. And the Saints, well, another, well, they're all must-win. They are equal with the Doggies on points at the moment. Uh, The Doggies inside the eight. I'll give you their percentage for what it's worth, 111.9. The Western Bulldogs' percentage, St Kilda, level on points, but a fair way adrift of that their percentage 103.6 so 8.3% needing to make up the saints and uh in order to do that they've got to win and win well and the first equation in uh sorry first step in that equation is a game against the hawks and that one is marvel stadium twilight saturday 4:35 p.m. the time slot- be a good game, Ron. But that one that's that's not that's not a gimme is it by any no, means no not at all given the way not the hawks particularly are at marvel yep and, yep and the hawks having now won three in a row uh all right that is it for round 19 that is it for this review podcast uh again as always thank you very much to Palmerbet uh get tackle busting benefits all this AFL season thanks to Palmerbet always remember to gamble responsibly You can be a financial supporter of this podcast at the ACAST supporter page on whichever platform you are listening to us right now. You'll find a link there in the show description, so click on that. And, uh, well, if you can afford to dip your hand in your pocket, please do so. Or you can become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links on the footyology.com.au website. And that is uh, all set up through Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent writing journalism and publishing so we are very grateful for any support you see fit to give us uh, we will return midweek with a big preview of what is shaping up as well wow, one of the killer rounds of the season round 20 should be an absolute beauty robert uh, we'll speak to everyone then uh, good evening Ron. see you then